Welcome to another episode of Sports and Discourse with your host, Derek Stevenson. And today, I got a special guest caller, Sean Gurton. Sean, how you doing, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing wonderful, man. So listen, so the reason why I brought you on the show, man, is because I had seen earlier on social media, you had made a post about your uh, greatest black quarterbacks. And um, I was already uh, doing a little research, and I had already wanted to make it a topic on my show. And um, so I thought you'd be the perfect person to bring on here. And um, before we get into it, man, what I wanted to ask you was, was you aware that we had a black president in America before all the NFL teams had started a black quarterback? Yeah, I think I have. I think I've heard it. And if I guess the only team that hasn't, well, before that, Cowboys only had one, and that was Quincy Carter. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I think there is another team that hasn't started a black quarterback yet. Well, actually, the New York Giants was the last team to do it. Sure. And they did it. Yeah, yeah. And- 2017 so basically from the time that the afl merged with the nfl it was almost 50 years before every team had started a black quarterback man that's crazy to me man what do you think about that well i think there's a couple things you have to kind of keep in mind and you just got one the evolution of the quarterback position especially over the last 20 years and you know, I'm sure we're going to get into it when we start going down the list. But I kind of say the the grandfather of the Lamar Jackson, the Sean Watson, um, the, the Patrick Mahomes, and the guys that we see in the league today is really Michael Vick. Right. You know, because, you know, and I know we can always go back to guys who, who, um, made me an Eagles fan to begin with, Randall Cunningham and Doug Williams and those guys. I understand that. But, you know, when you look at Michael Vick and the time he came into the league, or even when he was in college, they didn't know what to do with him. There right. was no offense out there to say, okay, how do we utilize this guy's talent? Yeah. And I think the thing with Vick is that he came around really – 16 years too late right yeah but it, it, it's because of him that you had more kids growing up wanting to be quarterback and playing quarterback on friday and you can ask anybody you want to see innovative offense check it out on friday night because what happens on friday night integrates into saturday and saturday integrates into sunday yeah i agree with you man uh mike vick in 2001 he was the first black quarterback to ever be drafted number one and uh he you're right I agree with you he kind of changed the game and um I think he made um all NFL teams adjust and um they had to start drafting players built on speed first like that became like a priority when you was drafting I believe because of Michael Vick well and because I always say this about athletic quarterbacks it makes you play 11-11 football right you know, you kind of think about this. When you hire your Peyton Mannings and things like that, at the end of the play, you know where they're going to be at. They're still going to be in that pocket no matter if they hand it off or throw it. 
they want to be in that pocket. They don't want to. But when you had a Michael Vick, you always had a count for him because he could take it to the house at any time. You know, he could take a broken play and take it 60 yards to the house. So you always had to account for him. Right. And um, one of the most historical draft years for the black quarterback actually was 1999. And mm-hmm. it was uh, Donovan McNabb and the Keeley Smith and Culpepper all going in the first round. But eight of the right. 13 quarterbacks and, was black that year, man. And that was uh, something special right there. Yeah, and, 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 and two, two out of your top three. You remember, it's Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, and Achilles Smith, right? right? That went two and three. Yeah, and um, you know, Achilles didn't really have as good of a career as the other ones, but um, you know, he's still a part of history, man. And uh, that was a big, big um progression for black quarterbacks because um, before that, you know, um, I would say, well, we can go all the way back to the beginning, man. Um, the first black quarterback that ever played professionally was Bernie Custis. And uh, he played mm-hmm. for the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Canadian Football okay. League in 1951, man. And um, then after that, the AFL, um, they had uh, Marlon Briscoe and James Harris. And that was around 1968 and 1969. And it was kind of uh, basically perceived that the AFL, which was separate from the NFL at the time, was a little more tolerant of black players and black quarterbacks and I think um at that time it was um perceived that black quarterbacks might not have been intelligent enough to play the position man uh how do you feel about that well I mean and, and they turned them into DBs <laughs> there was a lot of quarterbacks and I'm sure we're going to talk about Warren Moon you know one of the reasons he went to Washington is that all the other colleges when they recruited him wanted him to play DBs you know, so, no, he wanted to play quarterback. So, I mean, that was just a sign of the time, as bad as it was, uh, for, you know, black football players to play quarterback. So, and and I think they missed out on a lot of great quarterbacks because they didn't let them play quarterback. Yeah, more, I mean, Warren Moon, um, you know, imagine if he would have just had the opportunity straight out the gate to just go right into the NFL and play quarterback, man, because um, basically the environment was just so bad that I don't even think Warren Moon was even drafted, right? I don't think so, but I think if I remember correctly, they wasn't going to let him play quarterback, so that's when he went to Canada. Yeah, and, and then if you take if if you take what he did in Canada, combine that what he did when he finally did get to the NFL, he's he's pro football all-time leading passer yeah man he uh he just was so good that um they just couldn't deny him anymore and they had to let him come over right and um actually man when they uh when they first merged the nfl and the afl in um 1970 i believe um it was still basically it was still a, a pretty like intolerant climate for black quarterbacks and I know um the Washington Redskins owner at the time George uh Preston Marshall um if I remember correctly I think um he was a known segregationist or a slash racist however you want to look at it and uh he basically he didn't even start signing players 
until uh, the federal government threatened to block his use of the stadium, which was called the D.C. Stadium at the time, man. Can you believe that that was going on at that time? I mean, yeah, you just look at the climate, and I, I think the Redskins were the last to have the last NFL team to integrate, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong on that, but I think they were the last teams to integrate. Yeah, man, uh, that's wild to me to, to to see that the federal government had to step in, man, or they would have just continued to ignore black players, and um, it would have been to the detriment of the team because, um, you know, Basically, the the NFL is pretty much at least 80% black. And um, in right. 1971, 3% of the quarterbacks were black. But now you move along a little further into the early 2000s, and it had risen up to 35%, which is still kind of a low number, but it's a whole lot greater than 3%. And um, now, man... Um, where do you see in the future? Like, do you see? Can you see a future where we might have all teams starting a black quarterback? You know, look, I I can definitely see a future where you are going to have sixty to seventy percent. Now, look, NFL will always have a place for guys who can spin the football, and it right. doesn't matter what color they are. You know, if 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 you can throw the football and you can be accurate and you can be on time and stay ahead of schedule, there will be a place for you. Absolutely. Uh, Do you so, think um, more uh, quarterbacks that aren't black will have to play the game more like the way Josh Allen does, it being able to pass and run? Well, look, I think that's, that is just the plot of where the game is. And as I said before, it's about playing 11-11 football. Right. And, I mean, you know, look, you, let, let's take you take somebody like Aaron Rodgers and you couldn't tell me five or six years ago and even today that Aaron Rodgers is an athletic right you know he knows where to take off he knows how to avoid tackles uh so athletic quarterbacks have always had an advantage because it is an athletic competition at the end of the day the more athletic you are the better you're going to be at it so and I think teams are starting to realize that. And, you know, like I said, there's always going to be a place for big, strong arm quarterbacks, regardless of what color you are, who can play the game. And and you are having more, you know, athletic white guys, for lack of a better term, who are, are learning because these are the offenses they are playing from 7th to 8th grade up until the NFL now. And that really doesn't matter what what color you are. Right. Um, so I'm sure everybody knows, but Doug Williams, the first black quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl in 1998, um, why do you uh -huh. think even with him being able to accomplish that, that it took so long for people to accept that black quarterbacks were skilled enough or mentally capable enough of leading the franchise? You know, I mean, that's a good question because, I mean, Doug – you know, he, he got drafted by a very bad Tampa. I mean, Tampa Bay was terrible. And they right. were terrible for a long time. And then he went to Washington, and he played well. At times he got hurt, they put Mark, Mark Rickin in, and he played well. 
And that was also the same time that Randy Cunningham, you know, kind of took the job from Ron Jaworski in, in Philadelphia. And, you know, if you have never seen the Randy Cunningham play against the New York Giants Monday night when Carl Banks hit him and he catches himself on the ground, pops back up, throw a touchdown pass, throw a touchdown pass, do yourself a favor, YouTube that. Right. You know, Randy Cunningham, Carl Banks. It's one of the most unbelievable plays in NFL history. Um, and and it's, I remember hearing Bill Parcell say this once, and now he was talking about when he said it, he was talking about quarterbacks that were, you know, playing in the spread system. And that's, he, he said this, you know, about nine, ten years ago. We can only work with what the college youth gives us. And at that time, you know, you look at the college game in the early 80s, most of your quarterbacks like Jamel Holloway, Ross, uh, 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 Harrison that played at West Virginia, they were more option-type quarterbacks which didn't really work in the NFL. So then when you had the Andre Wares in the late, I mean, when the early 90s, who was able to throw the football, or it was in the offense where they threw the football. And it's all about this, at the time, it's all about the system that you played in. If you played in a system that would allow you to throw the football, you more likely got a chance than if you went to Oklahoma or Nebraska and you were in the wishbone. Right. So, um... Currently, we only have three black quarterbacks that have ever won a Super Bowl. Doug Williams being the first, Russell Wilson being the second in 2014, and then obviously Patrick Mahomes in 2020. What current uh, quarterbacks in the NFL today do you think are going to eventually end up on that list? Man, look, I think Patrick Mahomes may win multiple Super Bowls. I just think that highly of him. Um I think another one is his situations get worked out is Deshaun Watson. Um, and you talk about the list later if you want, but Deshaun Watson, when everything is right, he's a top five quarterback in the league. Do you think he's um, um the prototype prototypical quarterback going forward? Probably so because he is him and Patrick Holmes, they're the full package. I mean, they can they can spin the football, and they can take off. I mean, they can take it to the house anytime. So that's probably what you want. Where you know Lamar Jackson is just a freaking athlete, you know, and and he can't throw the football. He's he's not as accurate as Mahomes or or um, Watson, but the dude can throw it. But he's also such a freak athlete that he is the fastest player. And the way he moves, he is the best athlete on on the field. So obviously, and and he and with John Harbaugh and the way Baltimore likes to put a defense around, and and the way they run the football, Baltimore is always going. Lamar is always going to have a chance. That's true, man. And speaking of Lamar, he's um one of the four black quarterbacks that won the NFL MVP, the other three being Steve McNair, Cam Newton, and Mahomes, obviously. Um, man, uh, what do you think about those guys, man? What's the legacy that they left on the game? Well, Steve McNair is probably the toughest guy to ever play in the NFL. I mean, you just think about 
you know, there were times where he was so beat up and they could go through the things that was wrong with him. And there'd be, he has 10 injuries and he wouldn't practice all week, but that dude would show up on Sundays and ball. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he is one of the reasons that Titans were relevant and still relevant to this day is because of the way he played. And and who who was the other MVPs you said? The other ones was Cam Newton and Mahomes. You know, and, and Cam is Cam is interesting because that dude is six five two sixty. I mean, that's just a well of a man. And you know, he has such a big personality. And injuries have finally caught up with him, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. You know, over the next couple of weeks, with um, you know going back to Carolina. But I mean, that 2015 season. I mean, he had one heck of a season. You can never take that away from him. Absolutely. You know. And, and to uh, to go back to Steve McNair real quick, um, do you think that because the NFL still wasn't used to seeing a black quarterback. Do you think that's one of the reasons why he ended up at Alcorn State in the HBCU instead of going to a bigger school? Uh, well, I think it was one of those things as we talked about before. You think of a, you know, McNair's probably about my age, maybe a year older or younger. Uh, but at that time, you know, I think he had offers from Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but they wanted them to play DB. Mm. You know, they wanted them to play receiver or tight end, and he wanted to play quarterback. So he went where he had an opportunity to play. And, I mean, he was a Heisman candidate at a Division One AA school. So, you know, and I think the pro see him and was like, you know what, this dude can play. Because, I mean, he was taking, what, six overall? Yeah, uh, no, so, actually, I mean, it was he, third uh, overall. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he was a high draft pick. So, so they just saw a guy who could play football and play quarterback. Absolutely, man. And uh, for you to uh, bring up the Heisman Trophy, um, the so far the Heisman Trophy winners were Andre Ware, which you had mentioned earlier. He won 1989. And then there was Charlie Ward, 1993. Troy Smith, 2006. Cam Newton, 2010. Robert Griffin III, 2011. Jameis Winston in 2013. Lamar Jackson in 16, and Kyler Murray in 18. But there also was some other uh, players that really played the quarterback position well in college that um they didn't really get a chance, and they were switched over. Um, one that comes to mind was Randall L. So um, what uh, players – can you think of any players that um, probably missed out on the opportunity that probably would have been successful in today's game? You know, but Randall was small, too. Randy L was only what five eight five nine. Oh, was he that so, little? I mean, I think that yeah, I think that also played a, a factor to that. Uh, in one of the posts earlier, somebody mentioned Cordell Stewart. You right. know, when he was flash, and then you know they they finally let him play quarterback full time. And then I mean, I think he's somebody. I mean, he played quarterback position fairly well. So, I mean, you can't really argue about his productivity when he was playing quarterback. Um, just, man, and, and I had to sit down and think about that. You know, there have been some great quarterbacks, you know, great college quarterbacks. 
Uh, one that comes to mind is Tommy Frazier, right. who you can make the argument the greatest college football player of all time. You can make that argument. And then he had the blood clot, so he never got the chance to play in the NFL. Now, I don't know with his style translating to NFL. We don't know. But, I mean, he was such a great college football player in Nebraska. Yes, sir. And um, when uh, to go back to McNair again, when we were talking about HBCUs, um, I want to give you uh, some names and see if you remember any of these guys. But these were, like, pretty notable quarterbacks. They ended up playing in the NFL. Uh, Eldridge Dickey, are you familiar with him? No. Well, he was. Uh, he played at Tennessee State around 1968, uh-huh. and he was drafted in the okay. first round by the Oakland Raiders. And then um, another guy is Henry Johnson. He was 1967. He was um, in the 12th round, uh, but he did get drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. And then Henry Jackson – Alabama A.M., James Harris, Grambling, Joe Gillum Jr., Tennessee State, Matthew Reed, Grambling, uh, Parnell Dickerson, Mississippi Valley State. Obviously, we know Doug Williams. And then Joe 747 Adams for Tennessee State, Jay Skywalker uh, from Howard, and then uh, Jawan Cedar from FM, uh, FAMU. And then Tavares Jackson, those are all all noticeable guys, man. And um, I think sometimes they get overlooked uh, just because of the level that they play in. But I think um, sure. I think now um, with uh, like what Coach Primetime is doing down there, I think uh, you know, some of these guys might uh, start to get uh, more noticed and get uh, better looks for the NFL. Do you see uh, some more uh, quarterbacks from the HBCUs getting drafted in the near future? Well, I, I think there's always that possibility. But the one thing about the league is you can be under a rock. And if you can play, they're going to find you. They are going to – I think they just do a magnificent job of just finding talent no matter where it's at. So I don't – I don't think that – you know, I, obviously the level of competition, it just gives them a little bit more to go on. But if you can spin the pill and, and you can play, the NFL is going to find you, and they're going to give you a chance. That's true, man. And uh, we haven't mentioned his name yet, but um, another notable quarterback that, uh, you know, obviously he didn't get the Super Bowl win, but uh, we got to speak a little bit about Kaepernick, man. In 2013, he did uh, take his team to the Super Bowl, man. He came up a little short, man. Uh, how did you feel about Kaepernick as a quarterback? I think, and, and this gets me, this got me in a lot of trouble. Well, I, a lot of people disagree with me on this because I think 60% of the reason Kaepernick didn't have a job was due on the field. Gotcha. I always said if he was Russell Wilson and took a knee, he would still have a job. There, there was a decline in production. And if you truly just sit back and look at it, it's hard to deny. I understand the 49ers wasn't the 49ers he took the Super Bowl. But in his last I, – I did some research on this, and don't quote me on these numbers, but like out of his last 26 starts, he only had like five wins mm. or something like that. So, 
I mean, there was a struggle that they was going through. So, and, and he was struggling. Um, you know, when he got hurt and, and you know, they brought in Blaine Galbert. Right. And he never got his job back. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're talking about Blaine Galbert, who wasn't a very good quarterback. And they went into a training camp next the following year. And he did when he first took a seat, which is totally different for me. Those are two different subjects. You know what I'm saying? Those are two different subjects. But he did not beat out Blaine Galbert in training camp. So, you know. You you can't take away what he did in 2013 from getting to the Super Bowl in 2014, where he took his team to the NFC Championship game, where you know he went to Lambeau, where if you remember Michael Vick went to Lambeau in January and beat Brett Favre. You can't take away what Kaepernick did and, and going to Lambeau and 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 winning that game. So, um, but you know it is such a what have you done for me lately and you know towards the end of his career he just wasn't as productive yeah uh do you think that he um do you think he helped the progression of black quarterbacks or do you think he might have set it back a little bit and what i'm asking is do you think that owners will be a little less um likely to quickly pull the trigger on black quarterbacks and maybe might think of maybe uh what they might call a distraction when they're drafting them, or do you think uh, that they will ignore that altogether and continue? Uh... No, I mean, I, I think it comes up to the individual. You know, I mean, you just look at the the quarterbacks that have been drafted since you know 2016. If you talk about Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, you know, these are all guys that would. You know, Lamar Jackson, you know, Baltimore traded back into the first round to get him. And you look at the success that they are having. I mean, you can't just paint everybody with such a broad brush. Yeah. And, you know, I, I so I, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Do you think that they um they do more? Uh, do you think, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, do you think when they're interviewing these guys, do you think they bring up Kaepernick in that type of situation just to see where the mentality is? I want to guess not. You know, I think they probably bring up a lot of things. Uh, they probably bring up a lot of things in your past that you don't know how they know know that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, I don't know if that'd be one of them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they might. I don't know. But, you know, it, it's just hard to say. All right. And one more question about Cap before we get off of that. Um, how did you feel about his comments that um, the NFL draft combine was uh, likened to slavery? Let me say I understand the comparison. But when you have somebody like Patrick Mahomes just signed a $500 million contract. That is a hard argument to sell to the masses. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, I mean, I understand when you take the visual of what they do at the combine, I understand it. But when you got, when you are able to set up generation wealth by playing a game, that. Your your me, your message is going to get when you use those terms. A lot of time, your message is going to be lost on the masses. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. 
Um, yeah, and I kind of feel the same way you do. Um, I definitely can see the similarities. Um, but I would say the difference lies in the fact that um, slavery is involuntary and the draft combine is voluntary. Right. So that's where um, right. I definitely see the comparison, but um, I definitely don't know if I could 100% co-sign that. Um, but I'm glad that you brought up the money factor because – Currently, four of the highest-paid QBs in the NFL are black quarterbacks. Mahomes being number one at 450 to 500, and then Dak Prescott at 160, Deshaun Watson around 155 or something, and Russell Wilson at 140. And um, how do you feel about that? Do you think um, all of those guys are, like, super deserving? Do you think Dak is um, a quarterback that's worthy of a 160 and – potentially a Super Bowl quarterback? Let me tell you how much I hate the Cowboys because I'm an Eagles fan. There should be enough there. But yes. <laughs> I mean, when everybody's having this discussion last year, I'm like, you better pay the man because franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees. You know, they just don't. And when you got one and you got one that you feel like that you can build a rail, you better pay him. Absolutely. You know, Franchise quarterbacks don't go to free agency. They're going to get what they want. You know what I'm saying? Unless it's in, unless they're in the twilight of his career, like a Peyton Manning or something like that, or a Tom Brady. Yes. But a franchise quarterback in their, in their 20s or early 30s, they don't go to free agency. So, yeah, you better pay the man. Yeah, and um, the the perspective that I had on it was I felt like Dak's rookie contract was so much value to the Dallas Cowboys that I felt like they owed it to him. I felt like they, they did the right thing by paying him. Um, I think when you get that much value out of a quarterback on his rookie contract, I think you do kind of owe him a little bit for what he's already done. But I agree with you. I think uh, Dak is worthy of the money, and I think if uh, if they keep building, you know, I think he has a shot. I mean, right now the Cowboys are just really uh, one of those franchises that – Lately, they've always seemed to mess it up, but um, I definitely think they did the right thing paying Dak. And um, one of the guys that um, I want to talk about now that'll be coming up soon is Kyler Murray. Uh, how do you feel about him as a quarterback? Oh God, he is just—you know—he is such a unique talent because he is—he is so quick laterally. He can deliver the football. Um, you know, look, he's probably, you know, one or two in the MVP, MVP vote right now. Um, you know, his team is probably going to be a number one and number two seed. So, you know, it just goes to show you that they have taken that Saturday football and they incorporated in the Sunday and he fits it perfectly. Absolutely, man. Could you see him eventually being on that Super Bowl winning quarterback list? Yeah, and it may be more sooner than later. Yeah, man. He's uh he is just one of them guys that's dynamic, man. Like you said, he uh he's just a playmaker to me, man. Um Yeah, yeah. And I feel like um with all of the athletes being a little bigger, a little faster. I mean, now the game is changing to the point where you have offensive linemen that are capable of dropping back into pass coverage. And I think um, with that type of defense, you almost have to have a quarterback that can move around. 
and have a big enough arm to uh, extend plays and find receivers because I think um, now the game has just gotten so fast that the big, slow quarterbacks, I think that time is just done, man. And, and like you can get the ball out of your hand really quickly. You know, get it to whoever you need to really quickly. But it also goes by that even defense have seen these spreads and like, I got to have this many athletes on the defense side of the ball as they do on the offense side of the ball because I got to cover these guys too. I got to account for the quarterback. I got to have somebody to run down the quarterback or keep that quarterback in the pocket. Can't let a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson get outside and then be able to turn the corner because they're going to turn into a big game. Yeah, and absolutely. so that's, that's just where the game is, and that's what those kind of quarterbacks and those kind of guys can do. Yeah, and um, to go back to uh, Patrick Mahomes, because we were talking about his contract, um, do you think they overpaid for him as far as, like, uh, do you think they hurt the team by giving him so much money, or do you think um, that it was just a great investment and it's going to pay itself back? Well, no, I think, let me put it this to you this way. I think Patrick Mahomes has the ability to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I, I, I He's one of the three greatest arm talents I, I've ever seen. And when I say that, when I talk about arm talent, I'm talking about Dan Marino, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. Doesn't matter if their feet are set, they can just deliver the football where they want to, as far as they want to. So is he worth the investment? Yes. Now, I believe if they want to keep competitive, he's going to have to do what Tom Brady did throughout those 20 years. He's going to have to restructure and, and free up some cap money, which doesn't mean he's getting paid any less. They're just going to rework his deal where they can get cap money to get other players. And that's what he's going to have to do. And maybe eventually he's going to take less. But it's not going to be long, you know, at $50 million a year, probably in the next two or three years, he that's going to be third or fourth highest in the league. Right. Because that's, that's just the way the quarterback market goes. Absolutely, man. It's going to be a uh... It's going to be real interesting to see what happens when some of these uh, younger cats deals is up to see if um, they start breaking the bank the way that he did, because it was kind of, it's kind of been like a trickle down effect. Like Russell Wilson kind of started it. And um, now you're seeing more guys and they're just getting like 150 plus, man. But I, I do think the boys all deserve it, man. Um, but before we wrap up, I wanted to discuss your list, man. So give me your, your list of great quarterbacks. Okay. Well, you know, what got me, somebody in another group said, and I, I did a list probably about three or four years ago. And as I put, you know, this list is very fluent. And I think this list will change over the next two years drastically. But and somebody was saying this, somebody said that Michael Vick wasn't a top five top 10 black quarterback of all time. And then I would think about the list I put together. So, you know, this list is very fluent, but my number one quarterback is Warren Moon. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. What can you say about it? Right. You know, uh, number two, I put Russell Wilson. I love Russell Wilson. I, I do too. Russell Wilson is love... my favorite quarterback. Yeah. And nobody takes what the defense gives him better than Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, so uh, three is Patrick Mahomes, and I think he's just the most talented quarterback of all, you know, this entire list. Uh, number four, I got Steve McNair. Uh, number five is I got Donovan McNair. 
Number six, I had Deshaun Watson. Um, like I said, Deshaun Watson put his legal issue aside. He's a top five quarterback in the league today. Uh, number seven, I had Lamar Jackson. Uh, just so dynamic, and the ceiling is so high for him. Number eight, I didn't have him in originally, and then somebody brought him up, and I was and I was like, yeah, you can't keep Cam Newton out. So Cam Newton is my number eight. Nine, I got Michael Vick. And number 10, I got Randall Cunningham. And the biggest pushback I had was on Doug Williams. Wow. And Doug Williams, before I put Cam Newton in my top 10, Doug Williams was my number 10. But if you put somebody in, you got to take somebody out. So Doug Williams is the one I put out. Yes, sir. And um, of all the cats that didn't make your list that are currently playing, who do you see that put, could potentially break into your list? You know, somebody mentioned that, and then I had to think about it. One, it will be Dak Prescott. There's no doubt, probably in two or three years, Dak Prescott would be in that top ten, probably six or seven. Uh, Tyler Murray is probably another one that's going to be up there. There's no doubt. Uh, and like I said, this list is this list could be totally different in two years. Okay. Totally different. So, um, to swing it around to a different uh, kind of vibe, what quarterbacks can you think of that may have disappointed you a little bit that you thought were going to be something special? Wow, that's a good question. Did you ever think of how did you feel about Jamarcus Russell? I, I don't know. I don't know. I I never really saw Jamarcus play a lot in college. I remember the bowl game against Notre Dame, and that's pretty much where he made his name at. Um, you know, Achilles Smith was probably one of them. Um, uh, what was the quarterback that played for the Saints? Uh, about the same time, I can't think of his name, that played really well, Aaron Brooks. Oh, yeah. Aaron Brooks. Yeah, and he just, I mean, he played really well for about three years, and he kind of fell off. Um, so, I mean, there's always going to be disappointment, but those are just a few that just come out. Yeah, um, the actual last black quarterback to start for the Giants was Geno Smith when they benched Eli Manning. Geno, yeah. Did you ever see any right. potential he, in Geno initially? Uh, you know, even at, 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 in college, there was time where Geno just didn't play very well. So, you know, I remember he thought he was going to go in the first round, end up going that second day, and he was kind of disappointed. And there was always some questions about Geno. Yeah. How how do you feel about um the way Robert Griffin III's career went and uh Jameis Winston? You that's one. That that's that's probably the one. And and you and you said Jameis? Yeah, Jameis. That's the too. other one you said? And Jameis just turned the ball over too much to me and he did that at Florida State. Um Robert Griffin III is, is probably one, but I mean at the end of the day, it came down to injuries. Injuries is what did it in. So those are the things that what, – what can you really say when your body your body just doesn't respond? But I remember the first time I seen Robert Griffin III at Baylor, and I was like, that's the guy. Right. That's the guy that breaks the mode. You know what I'm saying? Because he can literally do it all. Yeah, man. So I know you had uh, initially – you had – or earlier, I'll say – you made um, 
several times you had commented about Friday turning into Saturday and Saturday turning into Sunday. So what do you think the future looks like at all three levels for black quarterbacks? It's just going to be brighter because you're just going to get more and more of them. You are getting more kids from Pee. And here's the thing. Let's just, you know, we talked about Michael Vick when he was coming up. And, and a lot of coaches, even on Friday, took athletes and made them quarterbacks. Now you got quarterbacks that just, I mean, you got athletes that have, um, just happen to be quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, well, quarterbacks who are athletes. And with all this 7-on-7 that these kids do now and all the training that they can get now, you're only going to get athletes that are better quarterbacks who can sit in the pocket, can read defenses, can pick up the blitz, and be taught when to take off, when to hang in that pocket, and, and things like that. So it, it's, it's only going to go up from here. Right. So you mentioned a 7-on-7. Seven seven. Do you think – um? Is that the best like route for a young black quarterback to make his name is to go to the seven on seven camps and show what he can do? I mean, absolutely, because you that's what you're gonna do is throw the football. I mean, the only way you're gonna get better at playing football is playing football. So there's nothing like eleven on eleven. But just be able to look at defense, learn the route tree, and learn what defenses are trying to do to you. If it's man, if it's zone, if they playing you know, cover two or or two under. It doesn't matter. Once you can start seeing this stuff over at, at seventh, eighth, ninth grade, and just knowing what what teams want to do with it, do to you, and where to go with the football, because that's what playing quarterback is is knowing where to go with the football, making sure that every possession ends with a kick. If it's an extra point, field goal, or a punt, that's what you want to do as a quarterback. Right. Do you think, um, you know, earlier before this big wave of black quarterbacks hit, do you think that it was um, scouts and recruiters were a little afraid to take chances on black quarterbacks uh, to protect their jobs, maybe? Well, I, I think there was some of that. I mean, especially when you are talking about some of these big schools that, you know, if, if you are at a Texas or you're at an Alabama and you have – especially in the South, and you got these big alumni bases and fan bases, and you kind of know who they are. Sure, I'm sure there was a lot of, uh, of you know, contribution about, you know, we can make this guy everything but the quarterback. He can play any division on that. We just can't make a quarterback because the quarterback is the face of the team. He is the franchise. You know what I'm saying? He is the most visible person on the team. And some people still ain't comfortable with it. Right. Yeah. Well, things are definitely changing, man. And I think we both agree that um, the future is bright for black quarterbacks, man. And, um, you know, we just have to wait and see where it goes from here. But it looks like it's only going up, man. Right, right. Yes, sir. Well, anyway, Sean, man, I think we'll go on and wrap it up right there. Brother, I really appreciate you uh, giving me, you know, a little time and coming on the show, man. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, I have you back sooner than later and we can do it again, man. But um, I really appreciate it, brother. You take care, okay? Hey, man, give me a call anytime. I'd be happy to do it. All right, brother. We'll talk to you later.